Good morning, King's Arms family. Hope you are well today. Um, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Today, I'm hosting um, Osha Wale alongside Steve Wilson. Uh, Steve, do you have a story to tell I do. Us? Listen, it's great to be uh, together this morning. Really pleased to have you with us. And I was just saying that uh, one of the things that I'm celebrating right now is the fact that I've just started this thing called a hope group, okay? And uh, the hope group, the premise of it is that we look at stories of hope from the life of Jesus. And uh, one of the ladies who came along last Tuesday with me she, uh, for the very first time in 44 years, got the Bible that she'd been given from uh, when she was christened 44 years ago and opened it up and started looking at stories wow. of hope. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, After 44 is. years, wow. Jesus is starting to speak through his word to this lady. And so we've been having a great time getting to know one another. So that's just one of the things that I'm celebrating right now. But... I know that whilst that's a group, what I would want you guys to know is that community is right at the heart of all that we do at the King's Arms. And uh, Phil Cox was saying to me just some of the highlights that he's got of groups that are going on in this season. And so just to kind of share them with you so that you get to celebrate with us. We've recently again started Alpha Course uh, in, in, the, in the prison here in Bedford. Um, we've had the well um, start some uh, gospel-centered cream tea afternoons, which wow. I think is quite oh, remarkable, nice. where dozens of people who are in the older generation have been coming along here to connect after a real period of isolation. Um, David's Cave Part Dirt is back on, men sharing their lives and journeys together. Uh, ladies that Zoom are meeting every Monday. We've got Pause and Ponder who are meeting to just find some rest in the middle of everything that's going on uh, in this week. We've got Bible studies happening. Playhouse is back on. Oversubscribed, by the way, with local mums kind of connecting with their kids, which is amazing. Right. But importantly, what we did want to say was that whilst um, our uh, group life's next sign up will start next September, um, you can always connect with Belong. So if you're not part of a King's Arms group right now, do feel free to check out our Belong group on the website. They would love to have you on because community is such a foundational part of who mm. we are. Yeah, wow. It's so great. I just love all the, all the groups that I have going on. Um, so why don't we gather and prepare our hearts to just get into a place of worship? Um, we just want to lift God high. We just want to elevate Him. Yeah. We just want to be in a place of where we can encounter Him. So, Lord, we just pray today that as we get into a place of worship, as we, as we sing songs, as we celebrate you, that you will become so real to us, Lord, and, and that we will start to really magnify you even yeah. every day, every second yes, of our lives. Yes, God. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. And see what our Savior has done. And see how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive, you break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance your freedom, awaken a lie. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. Whoa. Faithful through every storm, 
And you'll be faithful forevermore You have done great things And I know you will do it again For your promises, yes and amen You will do great things God, you do great things Conquered the grave, you free every captain, you break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. God, you do great. Sing His praise aloud 
Sing his praise aloud Awake my soul and sing Sing his praise aloud Sing his praise aloud There is a sound that changes things the sound of his people on their knees awake up you slumbering it's time to worship him awake my soul and sing sing his praise aloud sing his praise aloud awake soul and sing, sing his praise aloud, sing his praise aloud, when he moves, and when he moves, and when we pray, we stood all now stands away, where every promise is amen. he moves, make no mistake, the bowels of hell begin to shake, all hail the Lord, all hail the King, hey, oh, let the King of glory enter in. Make no mistake, 
The bowels of hell begin to shake Oh hail the Lord, oh hail the King Awake Awake my soul and sing Sing His praise aloud Sing His praise aloud Awake my soul and sing, sing his praise aloud, sing his praise aloud. And I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief I raise a hallelujah My weapon is a melody I'll raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me And I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Hope will arise and death is defeated. The king is alive. Oh, alive. Oh. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me.
sing a little louder. 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 In the presence of my enemy. Sing a little louder. Louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder. My weapon is a melody. well with our soul mm. and Lord we just pray Lord for deep encounters with you Lord even as we as we press on in the service Lord just deeper revelation of how much it is well with our soul mm. amen amen thank you Mary and her team for mm. worship it's amazing um, Steve well, listen, before we move on, I actually just wondered whether we could pause together and pray for a moment as well, okay? Mm -hmm. One of the um, kind of disciple lifecasts that Simon and I have been doing recently was with a lazy lady called Susie Judd. 
And she was just saying to us how prayer and intercession is one of the things that almost prepares the way for God to go out and move. And so mm. almost describing it a little bit about, you know, imagine a missionary going out in Africa and not going across roads that are smooth and clear, almost like the whole thing's very bumpy, mm. uh, very difficult situation. But what she suggested was that actually every time that we pray, what we're allowing is it's almost like we're, we're putting down tarmac to be able to have the smoothness of the gospel kind of reach people. Wow. And just in this place right now, I wanted us to, to, to be encouraged to pause for a second, to be able to pray for those around us who are far from God. Ultimately, mm. it's only God who saves, okay? And so I wonder whether we could just take a moment. Now, pause and just think to yourself, who is the person that you most want to see impacted with the gospel? Who do you want to come and know to see, come to know Jesus? Mm. That could be someone who immediately is next to you. Maybe your neighbour right now on either side. You can literally pray and put your hand up either side. Maybe it's someone who you work with. Maybe it's a family member who is far from God and you want God to break in. Mm. Can we pray for them for a minute? Would that be cool? Let me lead us, but just picture them in your mind's eye and let's connect with God just now. Yeah, Father, I want to thank you for that picture of how you prepare people's uh, lives and hearts and Ultimately, God, we come before you, recognising that only you can bring stone hearts to life. And so for every single person, every single face that is being pictured right now across the many people who are watching this stream, we want to pray for breakthrough and we want to pray, God, for your gospel to penetrate hard hearts and bring life even to difficult, stony places. We want to pray, God, that seed would be scattered, but that ultimately, Lord, you would... uh, implant that into open soft hearts and that it would bear much fruit and that even today God those who are far from you would have a a glimpse of the beauty of the gospel and would know the goodness of your son and the finished work of the cross so we pray God that your kingdom would come in Bedford and beyond Mm. on earth as it is in heaven in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Listen, if there are stories on the back of that prayer that you want to let us know of people and opportunities to uh, share the gospel and share your faith with people, we would love to know. But listen, what we always do at this point in the meeting is to say thank you so much for the fact that many of you contribute to the life of the church, uh, donating to us financially. If you'd like to do that, you can do so by going to the web address uh, kingsarms.org slash donate. Now let's prepare our hearts and mind as we listen to our second message in our new preach series called Broken, Lost and Found by Simon. Hey, and um, uh, just one of my privileges is uh, part of uh, leading Catalyst, which is the family of churches that we're part of, is to be able to just talk and to connect with people around the world, just to hear what God's doing and to see what he's up to. And particularly has encouraged me during this uh, really tough season that we've been in, just to hear actually the, the Lord is on the move. He's doing stuff. And just one story I wanted to share with you is um, uh, from a team in, in uh, Hull. They're planting a church up there in Hull. And um, a lady, uh, they have a food bank. And the night before they were praying as a team about this food bank. And a lady had a word of knowledge. She felt the Lord wanted to hear someone, uh, heal someone with a, one, with a deaf ear who was deaf in one ear. And um, so the team prayed about it the next day uh, at the food bank. Sure, bank, sure enough, this guy turns up um, uh, with, uh, uh, who was deaf in one ear. And um, Kathy got to pray with him. And let me just uh, pop a little video on the screen and you can hear her tell the story. So I touched his ear. And he had his mask on and um, when he'd come in they were so wet because it was raining he'd wiped his face uh, with his hanky like older gentlemen do and so his forehead was dry and as I was praying he just started to sweat and beads of 
perspiration came on his brow and uh, I was praying away and I just took my hand away and I said, how are you feeling, Tony? He said, I'm feeling on fire, my forehead, I'm really sweating. And I said, how's your room? And he said, it's all right, it's, it's feeling all right. I said, can I carry on praying? He said, yes. I put it back, I prayed again and he was really choked. And he put his hand over his left ear and um, he said, talk to me. So I spoke to him and really, really tearfully, he said, I can hear. And took his hand away and he said, I can hear hair, meaning Joe. He said, I can hear the, the cars outside. He said, and I can hear you. And I was really cool. I was like, I'm, I'm not a cool person, obviously. <laughs> but out on the outside, I just went, good. And inside, I was like, oh, thank God. Brilliant. Just love that story. So good, isn't it? Just to see God touching lives. And it hooks into the question I want us to look at today, which is this. How does Jesus plan to change the world? How does Jesus plan to change the world? That's one guy's story of how his life was uh, touched by Jesus. But how did Jesus plan to change the world? And I want us to, as we continue looking at this Gospel of Mark, that we've been looking at together, one of the earliest accounts of Jesus and his life, uh, written by one of Jesus' earliest followers. And uh, Mark up until now has been uh, showing us what Jesus was planning to do, because Jesus comes declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. And then uh, he shows us how Jesus begins that. And Jesus begins by recruiting four fishermen. A bit unusual. You're not sure you'd start by this new kingdom work with uh, four fishermen, but Jesus does that. And then he recruits a, a, a leper. He uh, gets a, a leper's healed and he kind of joins in. And then there's a paralyzed guy. Uh, he gets healed and he joins in this ragtag group that Jesus is uh, starting to collect in this new kingdom. It's quite surprising. But then for those who are around at the day, it gets even more surprising, even shocking, because we get to read this story in Mark chapter 2, which is Jesus's encounter with a tax collector. Now, just to set the scene for those who don't know, many of you will, I'm sure, but for those who don't know, tax collectors uh, basically had betrayed their nation. They were Jews who were working for the Roman Empire, and they were working, collecting taxes, and often skimming off the top, making themselves very wealthy whilst they betrayed their own people. The Romans were occupying Israel at the time, and the Jews who became tax collectors were the ultimate betrayers. So it is quite surprising for Jesus to engage with a tax collector in the way that he does. So let's pick up this story. We're gonna read it together, pop it on the screen for us. He went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was reaching, he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw what he was that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, says to his disciples, "Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners?" And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, "Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners." What I've learned to love to do is just to read the scripture again in a different version. So we'll read it this time from the New Living Translation. And let's just let these words penetrate into our hearts. Then Jesus went out into the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, 
Why does he eat with such scum? So as we look at this question of how does Jesus plan to change the world, I want us just to use the four questions that we've become familiar with using, four questions that actually help us to open up any passage of scripture uh, and we can use these either on our own or in groups or even if we're studying the Bible or opening the scriptures with someone who isn't yet a follower of Jesus. Four great questions that we can uh, look at. And the first is this, what does it tell us about God? What does this passage tell us about God? And remember that the, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So what it tells us about Jesus is what it tells us about God. And the first thing that stands out to me is this, Jesus is not looking for perfect people. There is no perfect people allowed. He is not looking for perfect people. So often when people encounter church or encounter uh, things of religion in quotes, what they, what they feel like on the inside is that God wants perfect people. He wants people who are perfect. And that's what he's looking for. And this uh, passage tells us exactly the opposite of that, doesn't it? It says that while Levi is in the middle of his sin, he's in his worst, his lowest point, he's in the middle of doing the very thing that should mean he's disqualified, it's at that point that Jesus calls him. Romans 5 verse 18 says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I've sat with countless people, sat with them, countless people who felt the same way. They felt like they were disqualified. But it was actually as they began to realise the grace of God, they began to realise that Jesus came for them in the midst of the worst things that they had done. You see, it's only until you've got to that point when you realise actually Jesus wants you even not, not, not despite your sin, but because of your sin. He's come for you. That's the reason that he's come is because you are lost in your sin. Best uh, illustration of this is from our friend Mark Marks, who uh, was out one day on the streets um, praying for people. It was uh, no one wanted to talk to him that day. It was pouring with rain and he uh, eventually found a homeless guy sitting by the side of the street. And as he's sitting with this, this guy, um, the guy was absolutely um, uh, smashed out of his face on alcohol. And uh, Mark said, look, can I pray for you? So he starts to pray for this guy. And as he does, he, the guy pukes up, draw down Mark's front and down his back. And, and as he um, uh, just walks away from that encounter, he's like, Lord, what was that all about? What, what? I mean, that just that whole afternoon, what was that about? He's walking back, he's covered in vomit, he stinks himself now. And the Lord said to him, I wanted you to smell what sin smells like to me. You see, our sin, our brokenness is a stench to God. And yet in that place, in that state, Jesus came for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not just the sins we've done, it's also the sins done to us. What drove Levi to this tax collector's world? What drove him? If you looked in his eyes and sat at his booth, what, why was he there? Why was he there facing the, the rejection of his own people? Well, maybe, maybe it was greed, but maybe it was because he'd already been rejected. Maybe he'd already been so rejected that another load of rejection didn't really make much difference to himself. He might as well have thought, well, I might as well get rich in the process. We don't know what drives people to sin, but very often it's the sin that's done to him. That doesn't, doesn't make them uh, not responsible for that sin, but it does explain why Jesus comes for us. He, he seeks us out, not, even, not just because of our own sin and not even in the midst of our own sin, but in the midst of the sin that's been done to us. When we feel the most ashamed, when we feel the most lost, when we feel the most broken, Jesus came for 
us. He's not looking for perfect people. And that's the first part of the answer to this question of how Jesus is planning to change the world. He's not planning to change it with perfect people. He's planning to change it with people like you and I, people who recognize they're in need of Jesus. The second thing that stands out to me from this passage, what does it tell us about God, is Jesus never leaves people the same. He is not looking for people to say a quick prayer at the end of a meeting. He's looking for disciples who will follow, listen to his voice and follow him. That's what he says to Levi, isn't it? Come, follow me. And Levi literally leaves behind his tax booth. He can never go back after this moment. He's looking for people not to put a hand up at the end of a meeting, but who will radically follow him because he's looking to leave us, to to, to transform us, to change us. Jesus changes people when he encounters them. Levi gets it. He understands that. And the problem is many people want to, to, to make their own version of Jesus. They want to uh, take their Bible and chop out the bits about Jesus that they don't like and create this new version of Jesus, a Jesus that looks like them, a Jesus that's palatable to them. The problem is Jesus won't allow us to do that because what we know about Jesus is found in the scriptures. So which bits are you going to chop out? What we know about Jesus, the depth and the richness of this this person we see in Jesus, we find in his word. He describes himself and reveals himself. So which bits are you going to chop out? Because the reality is every culture has got bits of the Bible they don't like. Every culture has got bits about Jesus they don't like, that they get offended by. In our culture, we we like the Jesus who uh, cares for the poor. We love that part of Jesus because he cares for the poor and, and he reaches into the world of the poor. We love that part about Jesus. We don't like the Jesus who wants to talk about our sexuality. And we're like, whoa, Jesus, you know, we'll do the poor bit, but let's not do that bit. What right have you got to talk about that? You know, but, but there are other cultures. They would absolutely agree with Jesus on human sexuality. No issues whatsoever. But for them... Well, the poor just are getting what they deserve. They probably sinned in a previous life and, uh, and this is karma working its way out. And actually, if I help the poor, I'm actually robbing them of their, uh, of the, of their um, uh, out working out this karma. Or it'll actually make their next life worse when they're reincarnated. They're, they're happy with what Jesus said about sexuality, but they reject Jesus because of what he says about the poor. You see, every culture's got something about Jesus that offends them, something in this book that they want to chop out. But Jesus is not looking for people who say, hey, Jesus, come join with me. He's looking for people who respond to his call. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Jesus is not looking to fit in with us. He's looking for us to fit in with him. That's how he's going to change the world. Not with the people who chop and change Jesus to look like him, but by people who radically leave their tax booths behind and say, Jesus, we are following you. The third thing that stands out to me about this passage, what it teaches us about God through the person of Jesus is the fact that he's willing to lose his reputation to save those with no reputation. In Jesus' day, a man or woman's reputation was the most valuable thing that they had. To, to, to some extent, it's still there's the same in other shame and honour cultures uh, uh, where shame and honour are the things that drive the societal decisions. Many would rather die than lose face. Many would rather die than lose face. Wars have been fought and sacrifices made. People have lost their lives rather than be shamed. That still happens today. But Jesus, even in a shame and on a culture, 
is willing to risk the loss of his own reputation to eat with those that others call scum because of something greater. It's not that reputation is not important, but Jesus has seen something that's greater. It's the lives of these lost ones. He's willing to lose his reputation to save those with no reputation. Now, in our culture, reputation's important, but I think there may be other things that are more important to us. Maybe it's freedom. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's success. Maybe it's even happiness. Maybe that's the thing that's the highest. I mean, if you ask most, you went to to the high street in uh, Bedford, Milton Keynes, or any of the towns around and said, hey, ask the parent, what would you like for your children? I can tell you, I reckon 99 out of 100 would say, I want them to be happy. Maybe it's happiness. But whatever it is for us, the question that Jesus provokes us about is this. Are we willing to follow him and lay down that thing in order to reach those that he's calling us to? This is a provocation, isn't it? Jesus is willing to lay down his reputation. What are we willing to lay down to follow him? What does it tell us about people? Those are a few things that jump out to me. What does, it, what does it tell us about God? Sorry, what does it tell us about people? The second question. What does it tell us about people? What does this passage enlighten us about people? Well, well the, the first thing is this. We love to justify ourselves. We love to justify ourselves. Jesus said, I've not come for those who think they're righteous, but for those who know they are sinners. The world is full of those who think they are right. You look at YouTube or social media and you'll see exactly that. Everyone justifies justifying themselves and seeking to condemn others. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says this though, there is a path before each person that seems right, but its end is death. Jesus' simple message to the Pharisees is you're not going to receive eternal life by justifying yourself. In fact, it's the opposite. It's those who refuse to justify themselves. It's those who say, Jesus, you're right and I'm not. It's those who say, Jesus, I need a saviour. Our desire is to justify ourselves. And that's what it tells us about people, this passage. That's our natural bent. But Jesus is looking for those who refuse to justify themselves and instead choose the path of life. In the same way you can't get help from a doctor, Jesus says, unless you admit you need that help. There's no cure available to you. Jesus is saying, the cure I've got for something far deeper the cure for your soul, the cure to rescue the, you from eternal death, the cure of eternal life. I can only give it to those who admit they need it. If you don't admit you need it, you can't have it. First thing that stands out to me is that we love to justify ourselves. And the second thing is this, the good news of Jesus travels best through natural relationships. Notice this uh, guy Levi's response to Jesus. Once he has believed, he immediately wants to share Jesus with those around him. He immediately throws a party and invites in his friends who were what? People like him, tax collectors, sinners. That's the only people that would hang out with him. And so he gathers them and that's the setting for this story. People naturally connect together in networks of relationships whether that's based on common need or common cause or, or any other number of uh, ways that people connect. 
And the, 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 this story tells us something about people. And it's this, the good news of Jesus flows best through those relationships. Who better to reach someone who's homeless than someone who themselves was homeless? Who better to reach addicts than someone who themselves was once an addict? Who better to reach builders than someone who themselves is a builder or was a builder? We're designed to share good news with the natural relationships that he's put us part of. And we see that again and again in the life of Jesus. Natural relationships as a bridge to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus. Lepers, Samaritans, tradespersons, people from the court of the king, the Herod of this day. We see the gospel flowing through these natural relationships. Our video at the beginning was another example, a relationship that's formed around a food bank, people needing food and also people giving food. People who care about people who haven't got enough food. They form these relationships and it's in that place that the gospel begins to flow. So the third thing that we need to, the third question that helps us as we look at these passages. Firstly, what does it teach us about God? Secondly, what does it teach us about people? Thirdly, what do I need to do? What do I need to do as a result of looking at this passage? And of course, we have to understand that we don't do to earn God's favour. That was the point I was making. God, Jesus has come for us before we could do anything. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So there's nothing we can add to what he's already done. We don't do to earn God's favour, but we do. We obey because we love him. We, we build on that foundation and we say, Jesus, as a response to what you have done, I want to follow you, I want to obey you, I want to serve you. So to, given that, a lens on obedience what do we then need to do as we look at this passage just take a moment to reflect what do these verses spark in you maybe your do is something to believe maybe your do is to believe that Jesus has come for you and to meditate this day or this week over the fact that you haven't got to hide that sin anymore Jesus came for you in your sin He's come for you. He's come to rescue you. I'm going to get yourself perfect before he'll accept you. He came for you as you are. Maybe your do is to count the cost. It's to think about the cost of following Jesus. Am I willing to pay the price on my relationship, my comfort, even my happiness, either temporarily or permanently? Am I willing to pay the price to follow Jesus, to risk that thing in order to reach those who don't know Christ. Maybe that is the do at the moment is for you is not to do anything but to count the cost. Maybe it's something different to that. Maybe your do is to think about the natural relationships that God's calling you to. I was hearing just a couple of weeks ago from a couple who I was speaking at at a meeting some years ago as part of it, I think it was a throwaway comment, I said, who is going to reach those who are lost to sex trafficking in the UK? And at the end of the meeting, that couple responded and felt, this is what God's calling us to. We're not part of this network at all at the moment, but we want to find a way in. And they did, and they started a charity now and have helped many, many women come out of uh, the sex, be resettled into homes, into families, as they come out of being sex trafficked. Maybe the do for you is to start to think about the natural relationships that God's put you in or the relational networks that you think, I've got a passion to see people come to Christ in those networks. What's God saying to you and what are you going to do about it as a response to reading these verses?
And then lastly, who can you share it with? That's the fourth question that's brilliant to ask ourselves as we look at these verses or any verses. Who can we share it to? Who can we share it with? You know, part of becoming disciples you multiply is taking God's word and learning to share it with others. Learning to multiply. Is there someone who needs to hear this story? Might might want to be sitting down with a Bible, that might be too much, but you could just tell them the story verbally. Just say, hey, I was listening to this story this week and really provoked me. I've always thought that Jesus was looking for perfect people and I've suddenly realized he's not. I don't know, is there someone that you think you could share this story with? So powerful, isn't it, just to look at the words of Jesus, to look at what he's calling us to, to look at who he is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came for people like me. You came for us that we were lo- as we were lost in our sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given us a message that can multiply through our natural relationships. We thank you, Jesus, for the story of Levi and for the pr- profound effect that your presence had on this life. I just pray for everyone who's watching this, that you will be speaking to each one and there'll be a clear next step for them. In your mighty name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. Well, thank you so much, Simon. And listen, I recognise that there might be some people who are tuning in this morning who maybe wouldn't call themselves Christians and maybe even today for the first time, as Simon spoke, that Jesus really did come for them. And uh, maybe you're thinking, you know what, you want to choose today as an opportunity to make a response to him. And so I would love to just pray for you for a moment. And uh, if you want to make a decision to even put your trust in Jesus today, you can follow me in this prayer right now, okay? Just say, say to God, knowing that he's alongside you and he's for you, Lord Jesus, I come to you today choosing to follow you. I ask you for forgiveness for how I've lived my life. And I thank you for the cross. Thank you that you died for me. And thank you, God, that because you rose again, I can be adopted into your family. I pray, come and Enter my life and lead me from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, it's a significant thing that you've you've just gone through. And so what we would encourage you to do is to uh, click on the link that's just appearing on your screen right now because we'd love to connect with you and to help you work out your next steps of following Jesus. For the rest of us who are believers, haven't studied this passage, um, what would be your next act of obedience? What is God saying to you from this word and what are you going to do about it? I think one of those critical things, isn't it, is to think about how we can apply God's word to our lives. And Mm. so maybe you could even find somebody else and say to them, this is what I'm going to do in response to God's uh, word today and how he's spoken through Simon. But listen, on behalf of Ella and I, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great to have you with us and we trust you have a fantastic week. So God bless. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you.